Hey everyone, welcome to the You Make the Scene and or the Musicians for Mental Health podcast. My name is Josh. Uh, This is a dual episode, so depending on which podcast you're subscribed to, it's got a different episode number, but this one, um, we intentionally decided that it was going to go live in both podcasts uh, for both sets of subscribers. Um, So depending on which podcast you're listening to, this is either episode number 151 of the You Make the Scene podcast or season three, episode one of Musicians for Mental Health. Uh, This particular episode, I speak with Field Kate, um, who we get into kind of their background. Uh, They are the front person of a band called Fencer getting ready to release their debut self-titled album on February 3rd. Um, Had a great time talking with him and had just an awesome amount of insight into his mental health journey, um, as well as a very in-depth dive into the music that they're creating and the kind of formation of the band, the evolution of the sound, the development of everything and then taking all of those elements and being able to put in a very positive um it well take bad things and put them in a positive light is how we'll say that so uh working through his mental health journey he's been able to write songs and um while they're semi-therapeutic for him You know, we talk about this in the episode, he's really putting the art out there for everyone else. And, you know, it's just an awesome thing to see. And I'm really excited about it. So, I'm not going to take up any more time. We're just going to dive into this episode, this conversation that I had with Field Kate of the band Fencer. Awesome. So, to kick things off, I do start with the same boring-ass question every time. Simple (laughs) introduction, man. Who are you? And just a little background on yourself. Yeah, my name is Field Kate. Uh, I am the lead singer and guitar player of the LA rock band Fencer. Um, We've been doing this for many years. I think we started in uh, early February 2017. Um, That's kind of my thing. I'm a musician. I uh, I'm also a life coach for, you know, teens and and younger kids, kind of like a pseudo therapy type of thing. Yeah. Um, I was an actor for many years as a child. That was like my whole childhood and stuff. Um, but yeah, Fencer's the main thing. We got a record coming out, very excited about it and, uh, glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, the, the child actor thing is something I didn't want to touch on for, for too long because it's, it's relevant, but it's not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, obviously it played a, a factor in, in both your mental health journey, but also your transition over into music. Um, but at the same time, like you haven't acted in quite a while intentionally, so it yeah. doesn't really matter, but for people that aren't, you know, we don't have to go into the roles or anything, but like coming through as a child actor, you know, you hear the horror stories, things like that. Um, with your experience in it, you know, how much did that have to play in your mental health journey, as well as this transition over to music as kind of a therapy of sorts? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think in retrospect, it wasn't very helpful. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I didn't have, when I was doing it, like I, I think I did it from six to around like 15 or 16. So about a decade. Um, 
And I mean, I didn't have any directly negative experiences throughout it. Um, it was kind of all I knew. I just auditioning constantly, missing lots of school, um, coaching, callbacks, testing, then shoots and yeah. stuff like that. That was just like, that was it for me. That's all I knew. Um, but nothing, nothing particularly bad that I look back on and go, oh, that was, you know, a bad right. experience or whatever. Um, I think probably most industries, even outside of entertainment, they're all pretty awful in their right. own way. <laughs> Like the music industry has, I've had far worse experiences, like directly worse than, uh, than when I was acting. But I mean, I think looking back at it, it's a weird kind of life to have as a child. Yeah. Um, and definitely as I've learned a lot more about my mental health in the last, you know, five, six years or so, um, there's a lot from it that I think affected me in, in some negative ways. Um, again, not from any necessarily like experiences around me, like no, no, nobody was not cool to me and stuff like that. Right. Um, it was just, and, and I wanted to do it. I wasn't being forced into it at all. I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's just a thing of like, I don't know. I think it uh, kind of created some kind of uh, a bit of like a, not a self superiority complex, but it was just like, I always felt like, Oh, I'm, I'm different than everyone else. Um, I think it probably contributed to some sociopathic tendencies <laughs> and stuff like that you know playing parts all the time and and yeah. things um so it was just kind of it's a different life to have lived than maybe a, a normal childhood would be so it's yeah um it definitely comes up in my music a lot and it's shaped a lot of how i am now so yeah and i i think you know i can understand what you're saying as far as like superiority complex probably isn't the right words but like you said yeah kind of, you know what I mean yeah yeah kind of like you know why do I have to go to school you know that's not not who I am or you know what I mean just kind of I, that like I'm in Hollywood it certain rules don't apply just because that's the fish the vision there or whatever yeah um, I just always felt different I thought it was like you know I was like oh well I'm on tv shows I I do this you know that's yeah. not what the regular kid does but I I do and so it was just kind of this, you know, not necessarily a, a bad mentality, but it definitely, I think, af affected me in the long run. Just yeah. it's just a different way to think. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And it, I mean, it probably played some factor into, you know, the way that you coped with certain events. You know, again, you didn't mm -hmm. have anything necessarily traumatic in that sense, um, right. as some of the horror stories go, but like just being able to like process what a normal life is or when, you know, the first breakup happens, it's like, okay, but I'm, I'm an actor. So like, this just feels like a role, like you're saying, kind of that sociopathic uh, tendency of like, I'm just going to disassociate from that real life event because I, I know how to do that. Yeah, definitely. Lots of disassociation. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then I, uh, you know, ended up craving attention so much. So I had to go become the front man of a band and make it all about me all the time. So, hey, you know, whatever <laughs> works. Um, so let's dive into the, the music side of it. Obviously, again, you know, that childhood plays a factor in it, like you said, probably more retrospectively than than directly um, as you were growing. Yeah. Um, you know, it didn't necessarily push you um, Kurt Cobain-esque, you know, where you're like, right this is my only outlet, but it definitely obviously gave you a way to take all these events and just life in general and kind of 
put it out there for other people to see from your perspective. Um, but also, I, I think this is something you'll probably agree with and, and speak to um, the power that, that that is, right? Like being able to write a song about a situation and just get it all out versus constantly uh, replaying it in your head type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, the whole idea of like songwriting being therapeutic and stuff didn't click with me for a long time. And I, I feel like it has more so now, but it's still never been like my go-to. I prefer to, you know, and I have a a good group of people around me that I've specifically, you know, made sure and curated this to have people that I can be super open with about everything. Um, You know, lots of, I'm I'm like a hyper emotional person. So lots of those kind of conversations and stuff about feelings and all that jazz. Um, So that's kind of always been my, my best form of therapy. And of course I go to therapy and stuff. But um, with songwriting, I do enjoy trying to, you know, tell those stories and get that out of my head a little bit. Um, But I think the thing I gain more from it is being able to just put it out there and have other people, you know, hopefully draw whatever they want from it. Right. Because it's I I don't want to do it so, so directly. And I do have some pretty direct lyrics, but I I don't want it to be so like blatantly that where other people couldn't possibly relate or find draw their own meaning from it essentially um you know it's not the the songs aren't for me anymore when they're when they're out there so i just want i want to be able to share uh what we create on you know the the largest scale possible right that's one of the reasons i uh, one of the ways i get fulfillment out of it basically yeah it it sounds like for you maybe it's kind of like a reverse therapy, right? Like, yeah, this is something I've already processed. So I want to put it out there for other people to be able to connect and process whatever they're going through. Exactly. And I think every once in a while there is like, there's a track on the album called Bad Bet um, that very specifically did kind of act as that therapy for me. Um, But I would say that's, that's less common than, than the other way about it. Yeah. Um, So the debut album, it's also going to be self-titled. So Fencer, for anyone that missed it at the beginning, um, going to be dropping at the beginning of February, uh, February 3rd. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, that, that's that Friday. So uh, February 3rd, um, I've gotten lucky enough to already listen to it. So um, something I don't like to do anymore, because I've done music journalism. Uh, this is going to make me sound so fucking old, almost as long as you've been alive. Uh, I'm, I'm going into my 20th year of, of uh, music journalism. So congratulations. Thanks, man. Um, so, you know, I used to do the whole, like, tell me exactly what this song's about. And like, sure. you know, who broke your heart? And I stopped doing that because like, it just felt at first it was like, yeah, that's the cool thing to do. Everybody wants to know what a song's about. But then I realized like talking to some of my favorite bands, I'm like, fuck, that's not what I thought that song was about. And then yeah. it lost a little meaning to me. And I was like, shit. I'm going to stop doing that. So take that how you will for how you answer on some of these things as we talk about the album. But um, let's start with kind of the overview, like talk a little bit about, you know, you said you guys have been doing this for you know, roughly six years now, five, six years. Wow, yeah. um, you're, you're now coming into the moment where it's like, it's time for us to put out a solid body of work, mm-hmm. you know, kind of what was that trigger? I hate to 
to make it word this way, but like, why did it take you so long to get to this point where you're like, <laughs> I'm ready to do this? <laughs> yeah, well, we were young when we started, man. Um, it, we're going into our sixth year, but it doesn't feel like that. I mean, we're obviously at this point, we feel very experienced and incredibly tight between the three of us. And, and we feel like at this point, we know how to be a band. Right. Um, but it, it wasn't like this super rushed thing. I mean, we've been working at it and we've had our our very close successes here and there. Um, but it's it's been a gradual process. And also, I mean, there's a lot's happened in our own lives of just kind of us. You know, I think when we started, Cameron and I were 19 and Scott was 17. Uh, Scott might have been 16, actually. Um, and we were babies, dude. We didn't yeah. know much. And I, I think it also took me maybe a little bit longer because it was not something like, oh, I was doing music my whole life. I was doing it through high school and everything. I was an actor forever. I, I got into music. I really was was into it. And I found the bands that I, I really liked and listened to. And I was singing my whole life, but it wasn't a priority of mine. I, I was in a couple right. bands in high school, but it it just wasn't a thing. I know a lot of people who, who prioritize it a lot more. It was kind of after I finished high school, I was like, uh, maybe I want to do this. So yeah. I didn't know people. I, it was, I didn't really know much about the industry. And so I was like, all right, I have to kind of saturate myself in this for the next five, six years. Um, and I did, and now we do know things and now we're tight and now we get it. So we had put out our first EP, um, in 2019 titled growing up selfish. And then a pandemic also hit, which, <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of put us back a little bit. So I feel like that contributed to maybe um, the the waiting period of before this happened. Um, and I think in addition to that, you know, we were entering our 20s, we were figuring out our lives. I went through a tremendous mental health journey um, and took me many years to kind of get get myself to where I'm at. So it was, it was a process. I know in like late 2019, right after the EP, we recorded an entire album, I think 11 or 12 songs. Um, and we did it ourselves and we listened back before, you know, it was like professionally mixed and we didn't like it. So we deleted it. Um, and then a pandemic hit. And so there was a lot of, you know, just space and waiting and figuring out what was going on. And then we decided to kind of tackle it again in, I think, mid 2020, but we've been independent this whole time. So it was right. just the three of us and we don't know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> so it was like, cool, we're going to get in our studio and we're going to try and make a full release. Cause while we are independent, we have complete control over our, you know, first full body of work. Um, in our discography. And so we just were, we just sat there for hundreds of hours and figured it out. Um, and Cameron had been learning to uh, engineer and um, produce and stuff like that. So ultimately, it was just the three of us the entire time, everything. And that was, I think, a very special thing in retrospect. Um, you know, artists have their entire life to f write their first album. Then there's, oh, it's two years to write this album, three years, right. one year, whatever it is, but you have your entire life to write the first one. So when we were going through the tracks and trying to kind of figure out what we were going to put on the record and what was going to make it and stuff, we had a, a whole plethora of songs that we could pick from that we had been writing over the many, many years that had never gotten recorded. And most of them we decided to not do. 
because they were written at different times in the band and it wasn't an accurate representation of where we were at. So we began writing new stuff. There was a couple things that were, you know, older in our discography that ended up kind of carrying over. But for the most part, I mean, it was all fucking new stuff. And that, that was very cool for us because, you know, a lot of the writing happened in 2019, but a lot of it happened during the pandemic and like during these recording sessions. And I think that brought out a lot of creativity just given the environment and uh, the context of everything happening. Um, there's not a, it's not like a rock opera or something. There's not an overall story throughout. It's just a collection of songs that were made sense around the time. And we feel like accurately represents what we're all about. There's a lot of themes. I mean, most of our songs are kind of themed around mental health and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, I went through a pretty crazy breakup around the time. And so there's obviously themes of, that kind of stuff. Um, but it was, I don't know. We think it's pretty cohesive. We're very, very yeah. happy with how it, how it came out, how it flows. Um, and there, there are similar themes throughout. So it does feel like a, a coherent project. Yeah. I, I would totally agree with that. You know, like I said, I I've been lucky enough to get the, the pre-stream if you will. And, yeah. um, I've, you know, played through it a few times just to get a little more familiar with it and whatnot. And even on that first playthrough and I'm a big stickler about this. People can shut up about it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> the first time you listen to an album, even if there's not an overarching cohesive story, it's got to be front to back. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It just oh, I it, agree. Definitely. It feels right. So, um, you know, for me, that first time playing it through straight through, it was like, there never was a moment to your point where I was like, mm, that didn't fit right. Or, you know, why is that song there? Like that should have yeah. moved or something. So I do think it, you know, obviously you guys took the time to be intentional and there are bands that, you know, have been around for 20 years that put together an album and you, you're like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in this good rhythm. And then there's that weird song and you're like, fuck, what was that? You know, like you just took yeah. me out of the whole thing. That's what, um, another thing we do when we, we songwrite is, I really like gimmicks and silly things like that. Um, and we really like every song feeling unique in some way to, mm -hmm. to the other songs we have. Um, there's a lot of records and there's some fantastic records uh, that are very similar in sound. Most of the songs kind of feel very similar, not necessarily a negative way, sometimes right. a negative way. But um, that was something we somewhat I don't know approach differently when when songwriting so that's uh I, th I think you know that contributes to why it feels good and flows well and the fact that I put it in different order all those songs in different order like a hundred times and listened to it extensively in every right. possible combination so we've ended up deciding on this one feels good yeah and I, I think, you know, it's important. And, you know, to your point earlier about like, you have your whole life to write that first album or to put out that first album. And, you know, I'm, I tease you about, you know, why did it take so long? The pandemic obviously played a huge factor in it, taking yeah. two years out of it. But like, at the same time, I'm kind of glad you did because it gave you that time to sit and make sure like, does this, like you just said, accurately represent who we are as a band? Does it flow the right way for people to understand, like, or to get a good, you know, vibe all the way through? Um, 
And is it something that when we release it into the world that we can say, fuck yeah, we're proud of that. That's, that's our thing. Yeah. I also, I just think um, it, just the three of us doing it ourselves, producing the entire thing, uh, engineering, writing, performing, obviously. Um, I think it just really contributes to that kind of, this is, this is us. This is what we're yeah. about. And will everything remain identical to that in the future? I don't know. Um, you know, if we have a, an, a different producer involved, it could affect things, not in a bad way, but um, who knows, all, all that kind of shit. But uh, yeah. it's like, yeah, that to us uh, was the best way to introduce ourselves, you know, properly with a full length release um, into the world. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, now, before we dive into to the songs, let's talk, you know, briefly, uh, I think you want to give them a little bit of credit. Um, you guys got to work with Henry to uh, Henry Lunetta from um, he's done five seconds of summer uh, state champs albums like yeah. he got to help you guys mix it. And then uh, Zach Fisher, who is a true like punk legend, man, like he's worked with, <laughs> he's you know, now. bad religion, Weezer, Rancid, like the dude has been in the, the industry. What's it like, you know, being able to hand your work over to these guys that have the accolades and say, A, please help us, but also I'm sure get compliments back from them going, hey guys, you know, like you're, you're on to something here. Yeah, they're great, man. They're great. Henry, uh, Henry was incredibly instrumental in how the, um, the sound of the album turned out. I mean, uh, he's, he's a great, great mixer very smart guy and we were able to he put he put up with us pretty extensively because <laughs> we were very very particular and and super involved with like you know 99 of the the choices made um but he was able to take these very raw recordings that we just did you know ourselves and make them sound like a record um yeah. he's he's totally great at that and and we love him very much and appreciate his his role in making this um and then zach is phenomenal as well i mean we've recorded and, and zach's produced some stuff for us in the past that may pop up in the future i don't know <laughs> um but uh yeah i i knew um i knew zach would be able to take whatever we gave him and go okay this is just what this needs to be tweaked this is yeah. like you know everything like that and so we we also really wanted um, the the personnel for the album to be as tiny as it could be. Yeah. So it's really just the five of us. Um, you know, Zach mixed, mastered every song, Henry mixed every song, and then we did everything else. So um, yeah, I mean, working with them's great. I always love. I always feel really really good when Zach would send me a master and be like, "Dude, you guys just keep getting better." I'd always be like, "Oh, cool." I like that Zach yeah. likes this. So. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, again, coming from someone with his resume, like that's a compliment, you know, to, to have someone that's worked with rancid, bad religion, fucking Weezer to Dude. come back to you and be like, yeah, man, keep at he it. He worked like, on like one of the best Weezer albums. <laughs> okay. Human is like yeah. up there with the first two. I was like, so excited about that. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. It, it's insane. Um, so let's, dive in to the singles that have already been released first only because i don't want to give too much away about the album for you before the album uh releases sure. uh so let's kick off with uh joseph courtney 
talk a little bit about kind of how this is going through um, your mind and like the, I guess the, I don't even know how to word what I want to put into that. The, the soundscape environment that you created for that song. Yeah. So that's actually one of the, I think maybe two tracks on the album that are um, from, you know, earlier days that we decided to bring back. Joseph Courtney's always been a, it might've been like one of either the first or second song Cameron and I ever wrote together before anything was even named Fencer. Um, I would go to his house at like 9 p.m. and I'd leave at like 6 a.m. and we'd just basically write and record a demo of a song like just straight. And Joseph Courtney was one of the first ones we did. Um, It's obviously evolved a lot over the years, but that's always been kind of a fan favorite. And so we wanted to give it a proper kind of um, treatment. And that song is kind of, um, it's about this like persona I kind of made up called Joseph Courtney, um, who is just totally craving attention and wants to entertain and kind of control a crowd, things like that. Um, Maybe he's a little bit crazy, a little bit out of his mind. (laughs) Um, but I think the the original reason that we kind of were doing that song is when when we were first starting the band, I had never really like been the front man of a band or anything. And even though I had done acting, it, it just wasn't who I was at the time. I wasn't this, you know, rock star esque role or something. And so I kind of created this mythical person who um, I could, you know, pretend to be and make it a little easier for me to play that role. Um, I think I've gotten a little bit of a hang of it now after doing this for a minute, but um, it's nice. It's nice to be able to just kind of channel uh, some of my more manicness into into this character and um, play around with it. So that song is kind of like an introduction to Joseph Courtney. Um, You know, nice to meet you type of thing. Right, right. And then this song you guys actually have a video for, uh, Sanitarium. Yeah. A, like, the video is, I don't mean this as a negative thing, so please don't take it that way. (laughs) It's low budget, but in the best sort of way. Like, it feels like such a nostalgic, like, we are DIY. We know that we've only got, you know, $1,800 to go make this fucking music video, but we're going to do all the possible cool shit we can do. Um, talk a little bit about obviously the song, but also the process of DIY recording a video because people do not understand the level of intensity that that is. Yeah. I mean, we do, we do all of our own videos and we're really proud of that because I think even though it is DIY, we try to make it look decently high budget. Yeah. Um, like they all, I think they all look very good. Yeah, like I said, mine was not intended to be a, an insult. No, 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 you're totally good. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you're fine. Um, but that video specifically, we had this location in mind that had a bunch of really crazy art installations and uh, kind of a very striking location to film at. And so, um, yeah, I mean, we have a very small crew. We just get together and we kind of build off of whatever vision we have for it. Um honestly kind of easier than you'd think to do some of these videos and make them look really good um it's it's obviously a lot of it's very time consuming but um the challenges are 
it's more so just kind of having that vision and having a unique idea. A lot of our videos we structure around some kind of um, blue prop that wouldn't normally be blue and right. is kind of a very striking thing. Uh, and that is a good basis for us to build a video around, which we like. Um, the song Sanitarium is, it has a lot of themes of like loneliness and feeling lost and, you know, um, trying to figure out where you belong and some very generic-esque stuff when I say it like that. Um, I think overall the song is focused on kind of the idea of uh, wanting those things and then finding them in a relationship or somebody else and kind of putting all your eggs in one basket and getting all your fulfillment from that, which inherently is probably not a very healthy thing to do. Um, but it feels really good, right? right. It, it most likely will blow up and, and become a disaster, but it feels really good. And so it's kind of a very upbeat, happy feeling song about a somewhat negative topic. Um, right. And the way it ties in with the video with the uh, the TV head guys and everything is just kind of that that searching and that longing for for something and uh, finding how you can how you can find, you know, your home, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it is, you know, an important detail that hopefully people, uh, everybody's going to learn that lesson themselves. But like you just said, like putting everything you have into one counterpoint, if you will, uh, person, whatever. And then inevitably the, the fairy tale ending doesn't happen the first try, you know, like you're, you're going to get your heart broken sometimes. And I do think that that comes across through the song of, like you said, kind of that, that longing for, I want this thing. I've, I've had this thing, or, you know, I'm getting this thing. Um, yeah. and it's just that I think it's a really cool, almost a dichotomy within the song. It's not like a straight story. It's kind of both sides of that story all in one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to Fish Friend, which, you know, as far as song titles go, it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun one. Yeah. I, I love Fish Friend, man. It's, um, it's this little acoustic track thrown smack in the middle of the record feel like it'd be very easy to throw that uh later or you know as an ending song but we wanted to wanted to just stick it in the weirdest place possible we were like where can we put this that'll be weird yeah um and i think it ended up flowing pretty well but um yeah fish friend is a is a fun little innocent song about um you know it can be a metaphor for a bunch of things but it's you know, on paper, it's about, uh, you know, getting a getting a fish from a fair and taking care of it and uh, a little little friendship and relationship through that. Um, yeah. It's a catchy little silly tune. That's that's about it. Uh, I love the video we have for it. I think we we did some really fun stuff with uh, the fish friend video. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I I agree. It definitely it's in a, a weird spot, quote unquote. But like you said, it flows so well that like, I don't think it's so weird that it removes anybody out of the feel of the album. Yeah, it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I want to talk about before we get into kind of a, a general question on the album again, uh, you guys decided to cover Morphine's Bueno or Buena. Um, talk about 
I mean, obviously it's a debut album. You almost have to put a cover on there just because, right? Sure, sure. But but talk about, you know, the selection process for you guys and and deciding Morphine's going to be it. And then to see, obviously, the quote-unquote commercial success of it blowing up on Spotify and, and streaming in general. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we decided earlier on when we were messing around with some stuff, uh, we wanted we want to do a cover per album and that's not for recognition or for anything related to that. I think it's a fun idea to take a song that exists and really just kind of rewrite it from the ground up mm-hmm. and make it your own. I think that's a fun thing. Um, you know, Buena definitely was Morphine's most popular song, but Morphine was never in, an incredibly big band. Um, so it, it kind of, of course, you know, giving the writing credits to Mark Sandman and everything related to that, but it's, it's kind of like, we're able to revive that song and it's our song now. It's not ultimately. And of course their, their recording will always exist and be incredible and stuff like that. But it feels like one of, one of our tunes, the way we do it. And, um, we really like that. And so I think we're going to keep that trend going moving forward, but Buena specifically, it's just a, I love morphine. Um, the guys are really into them and Buena is such a fun song, such a catchy tune. I just had some ideas for it. I always did listening to it when I was younger, I was like, this could be so cool. Um, and with our kind of instrumentation, you know, morphine is just bass sax and drums, uh, swapping the sax with guitar and kind of playing that role. And just, I was like, I bet I could scream some of these lyrics. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I think we we created a pretty cool little, um, you know, hard rock punk tune out of it. And uh, I, I hope it's a, um, you know, it's, it's a tribute to them, definitely. Right. I know uh, some of the reviving members, I know Dana Colley has, has heard it and is super into it, which is um, such a... I don't know. Very, very cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's Um, almost a surreal thing that like you did such a good job that one of those, the band members is like, Hey, that's dope. Keep it up. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of giving his blessing a little bit. So, right. Yeah. Um, so kind of to, to go back into a general thing, like I said, I don't want to spoil any, any of the album that we haven't got everybody to listen to yet. But one of the, the questions I enjoy asking uh, when a new piece of work is getting ready to come out uh, for you, and it's usually a really difficult question for, for artists, but for you, what are the, it's a two-part uh, question. So the song that you think people are going to gravitate to, and what's the song that you want people to gravitate to? Um, well, the song I thought people were going to gravitate to really extensively was Sanitarium. And some people did, but it, you just never know with songs, right. right? You never know what the what the one is that people are going to dig. Um, so I think, I don't know, as far as unreleased songs on the album, I think the one people will gravitate to most is going to be the same one I would like people to, which is the closer, Bad Bet. Um, I think that is going to grab some people. And that is yeah. also my favorite song on the record. Um, close to come on keep screaming but uh, bad bet I think is a really good testament of the diversity we want to include in in our songwriting and that song also means a lot to me um, in the very fucking cheesy sense and all that jazz right Uh, right. but 
yeah, I, I really dig that song and I'm excited to definitely the one I'm most excited to be able to share with people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that easily being there. And then uh, one of my favorites was couch. I think yep. couch is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, thank so, you. Yeah. I think that's going to be one that hopefully people are like, fuck, there it is. And it's one of the shortest songs on the album, but it's still yep. just, it's in your face. It gets you from the fucking first beat you're just sucked in. So I we've hope people got, um, start paying attention. I don't, I don't think we've announced this anywhere, but I don't know if it really matters. We have a video coming for that song. Um, okay. Dope. We shot, I think in the last month or so, and it's, we're in the editing process and it's just completely ridiculous. Com- so silly. It's a, th- a very silly song. And so we're excited to do that. <laughs> right. I don't think you'll get in any major trouble. Uh, this episode is likely coming out on the 25th of January. So about a week before. Yeah, the no, album I, anyway, I think so. it, I think it's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah I'm not worried about it. Um, anyway. Um, yeah. So we've touched on it a little bit, you know, and, and we said it kind of before the official episode started, we wanted to talk about mental health um, because it is so important to you as well. So let's dive into a little bit of your, your mental health journey. You know, you've, been pretty open with it you obviously have written songs about it um but you've also you know like you were saying earlier you're you're a life coach now too so you've been able to to navigate your mental health willingly or not you've been able to navigate your mental health and get to a point where like okay i i'm okay with who i am obviously there's work to do but i can better other people's lives because of what i've went through as well yeah, yeah. I think um, I think mental health started becoming a very, very important thing to me um, by necessity. I mean, it it started to deteriorate as I got into my twenties, and I uh, I was dealing with a lot of a lot of things, and I have continued to do so and continue to do so. Um, and I started just kind of really prioritizing it and trying to focus on on improvement and working through some of these issues um i have something called borderline personality disorder which is just just brutal um and so it's been a a process of learning to kind of manage that um and continue to you know be a uh productive decent member of society um so i've done many years of therapy many years of dialectical behavioral therapy which is a a specifically a borderline thing um and now i've been able to uh kind of start this life coaching thing with a a company called positive presence global and that's been really cool um it's it's interesting life coaching because with therapy it's very much a one-sided experience like you don't speak to your therapist outside of sessions they can't talk about their personal life at all um not that that's necessarily an issue. I think it's great. And I have a therapist who I, I love to death, but I like the aspect of life coaching because that all kind of goes out the window. I can just kind of do whatever I want. I can talk to them outside of sessions. I can draw from my own experiences. And that's, I think, the really um, beneficial aspect of it is just being able to be like, hey, yeah, I'm a mess. I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do have a decent toolbox of skills um, that I have not mastered, but I know about them. I know right. what you're supposed to do. Um, implementing it is a different thing. And that's just going to be a lifelong process of practice and kind of mastery over a lot of these techniques. But um, it's it's just a, a cool 
a cool thing to be doing. And, and when you really do get that response of, wow, I, I actually did something for this person. That's kind of yeah. cool. Um, so yeah, just, just a big focus of mine. Um, everyone who knows me knows that I'm kind of in that job sometimes and, uh, that's fine. I've, that's, that's just what, I, you know, the cards you're dealt, right. Everyone yeah. has, has something going on. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, for those that aren't familiar with, with borderline personality disorder, um, go through, you know, whether it's the clinical definition of it or like your personal Those experience. Those are your exact symptoms. But you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, you know, we joked about disassociation earlier, but that is a very classic symptom of borderline personality disorder is to dissociate yeah. from a lot of stuff. Um, so kind of just the, the skyline view of what does that mean to somebody that's not familiar with it? Yeah, definitely. I also just want to add that um, one of the reasons I like to talk about it is because one, I, I'm not like, I don't have any stigma about it. I, I just, it's just something I deal with. I don't, I don't right. think there's, there should be as big of a stigma around mental health as there is. And I think there's less so in my generation, which is cool. Um, but there's not a lot of figureheads out there talking about borderlines specifically. Um, right. It's this really kind of crazy little thing that is very in depth and, um, there, there's not just, there's just not a ton of conversation about it. There's a little bit, but I just feel like I want to be more vocal about it because it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I don't know. I wish there were more people talking about it. Um, but basically what borderline is, it's this, um, it's kind of like an emotional regulation disorder. It's somewhat uh, similar to bipolar, but uh, more on a rapid scale. If bipolar is kind of long stretches of like, crazy manic depression or, um, you know, more manic episodes where you just kind of like, you know, these intense highs and intense lows that last for long periods of time. That's what bipolar is. Um, borderline is that intense high, intense low kind of, but on a very rapid scale, just like all yeah. throughout the day. Um, and so I don't know, I feel emotions incredibly intensely, um, and sometimes very unwarranted. Um, but just, it's, it's hard to, I think like the, the actual definition is like, it's supposed to happen between the ages of two and four. And it's like something, some wire in your brain gets messed up where the, the kind of right side and left side of your brain, you know, the emotional side and the more kind of logical side, um, have difficulty communicating with each other. So I can tell my, I can acknowledge things logically, um, but it doesn't really affect my feeling at all. And the feeling is incredibly intense. So specifically in like romantic relationships and I mean, all, all relationships, like friendships, everything, it just makes them very difficult to navigate because um, things, you know, th things affect me very, uh, very strongly. Um, and yeah, it's, it's difficult. A lot of people spend a long time trying to figure it out and are not necessarily able to. So um it's just a, it's a work in progress. It, um, I, I unfortunately really like being in relationships. So that's <laughs> a big aspect of, um, things and some of the things that come up, but, you know, I, I take medication and, um, I'm just very slowly improving day by day. Um, I of course trip and stumble and fall, uh, all the time, but, um, you can just do your best, I think. And so that's kind of, an overall view of what it is. Very black and white thinking, lots of disassociation. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that that's the key point, you know, that I wanted to make around it is, is that it is so black and white, 
Um, and like you said, you know, it, it's easy for you to talk to yourself and say, logically, I shouldn't feel this way about this thing. But your body still says, fuck it. That's how I feel. And I don't care what you said logically. Yeah. Like it's a, the, I forget who it was. I was talking to somebody a while back, um, a friend of mine, and their description was, you know, like you said, it, it truly is in the brain with that, that miswiring yeah. of the sides. But like they said, the way that they like to describe it is my brain thinks what it's supposed to think, but my heart feels everything differently. Like, yeah, it's that separation that like, even though I know logically I shouldn't do this thing, I have such a heart feeling that I should, that I'm going to go do that thing. And feelings are so strong. And I mean, people with borderline feel emotions so intensely that even though you are logically thinking and, you know, very self-aware generally, um, often, more often than not, it, you, you act on the feelings yeah. because they're just so strong and it just kind of overcomes you. And that causes a lot of um, irrational behavior. So, uh yeah, it's very black and white. So I always one extreme or the other with like every aspect of life. Uh, and it's all about trying to find that middle ground. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, like you said, obviously it's a work in progress for you. You, you mentioned your toolkit um, and, you know, not having anything perfected. And I, honestly, I don't think anybody does. Even sure. medical professionals don't have it perfected, but what are some tools that you have found that maybe like recenter yourself or allow you to like sit in a moment and go, okay, just like pause and let's figure this out. Yeah. Um, there's a handful. I mean, DBT, uh, which is like, I think was created for borderline, but it just has these incredible life skills that I feel like everyone should go through and, and learn. Um, there's a lot of really great uh, just ways to look at things through, through DBT. Um, but some of the ones that I've really resonated with are, um, there's something called the stop skill, which is just kind of, uh, a lot of these are exactly how they sound. They might sound very basic, but it is something incredibly useful and difficult to master, um, which is just kind of stopping before you react. And it feels like shit. It fucking sucks. Um, because especially dude, Cameron and Scott can attest. I go off sometimes over texts, I'll get triggered about something and I'll just send 50 texts about just not, not, not being, you know, mean or anything, just like very emotionally charged, just getting my thoughts out. I feel so strongly this way. I'm trying to explain it in every possible way I can thinking I'm adding new information and uh, that, that is not received very well, um, definitely not. And so just being able to kind of, you know, not say the, the thing you feel you need to say that would feel so good to say, um, putting the phone down, not responding immediately, allowing your emotion, uh, your emotional scale to kind of lower a bit um, because that's where it is when, when you have high intense emotions um, you don't act rationally and right. you don't make decisions that you would if you were kind of chilled out a bit. And unfortunately with borderline, it's very difficult to kind of lower that scale quickly. Right. Um, so just kind of stopping yourself before you react is unbelievably helpful. The only issue with it is it just feels like such ass. 
pass in the moment. Ultimately, you look back and you're like, wow, that's so great because now I'm not going to feel any of the guilt. I didn't, you know, do any uh, didn't cause any, uh, you know, damage or whatever. But um, it sucks. It sucks in the moment. Uh, Another thing I really, really dig is called radical acceptance, which is exactly how it sounds, which is just the idea of acceptance. But I like when they put the term radical in front of it because it acknowledges that um, some kind of acceptance is just completely ridiculous. It's like, why would I accept that? Um, but it's just the idea of kind of, um, some things you can't change and they're not worth giving yourself anxiety about. Um, so it's like, all right, this is the case. Oh my God. I'm so anxious about this. This happened. Okay. Whatever. Ah, radical acceptance. Oh, that's how it is. Okay. I'm fine. Like, that's it. It's, it seems really silly, but, um, and it's one of the most difficult things I think you can try and work on. Um, Because especially people who, you know, have some even more serious things that like are unchangeable, like people who, you know, lose their limbs or they're dealing with some illness or something like that. And like, there's no fix. Sorry, there's not a fix. But it's I think what my DBT teacher used to say is like, sometimes you will not be living the life you thought you would be. The idea is to um, find a, a life worth living under the circumstances. And so it's kind of like trying to keep yourself in check in the idea of everyone's on their own path. There's no point in comparing yourself and there's comparative pain is very difficult to deal with because, oh, why do I have to deal with this thing and someone else doesn't? Um, and it's just the, the idea of, yeah, just like, okay, this is your reality. It is, it is, right? So you can be upset about it or annoyed or, um, whatever whatever the hell right but um the sooner you come to terms with that and find contentment in whatever your reality is the um the sooner you will find contentment in life which i think is you know people are always looking for happiness but life is such a spectrum of emotions no one's happy all the time at all and you never will be um even if you get all the things you want you will never be happy all the time because unfortunately we are self-aware beings which probably was never supposed to happen. So, um, so, you know, uh, but I, I think the idea is to try and find how to be content with where you're at. That's going to yeah. be the most, um, the most at peace you can be. Yeah. It, it's definitely the, um, and so many people say it without like really meaning it. I talk about the power of words all the time. It's the, it is what it is mentality, right? Like yeah, you have to just accept it is what it is. Um, something I've started doing in my own personal mental health journey is I use that phrase all the time and I like to add for now onto the end of it, because maybe it isn't something I can change right now. It is what it is for now. To your point, like kind of the stop method is built into it for me of it is what it is for now. I'll come back and assess if I can make anything different out of this. Um, and I, I found that to be very powerful for myself because, you know, working in corporate worlds and stuff like that, you know, having bosses and whatever, it's like, man, I'm going to fuck that guy. I'm going to reply to this email right now. I'm so pissed off. And then I'm, I'm like, hold on, you know, it is what it is for now. Like, don't lose your job over this fucking email that you're about to send. So, um, and you're right though, like that stop method definitely is a moment where, when you can stop yourself for like the next hour, you're just stewing on the fact that you stopped yourself. Like I should have fucking sent it. I should have just told him off, like fuck him. But once you are able to 
come back to it. Like you said, that in uh, retrospect moment of like, okay, it's been a few hours. It's been a day, whatever it's been like, thank God I didn't fucking send that. Cause I, this is what I actually meant. Right. Exactly. Um, I think it's, it's kind of what you said of like, it is for, it is, it is what it is for now of like, you know, you won't always feel the way you're feeling. You won't, even if it's like the worst it's been, you know, it's not going to be that forever. So yeah. you just, you just ride it out and that's all you can do, but it's, it's helpful to kind of re reassure yourself that this is, this will pass. Everything will pass. And, but that, you know, that goes for positive emotions too. Right. <laughs> but it's kind of just finding that comfort in a spectrum of emotions that um, human beings will inevitably always feel. Yeah. And that reminds me of a song I have to look up the actual lyrics for. Uh, the Color Morale has a song called The Strange Comfort. Um, and he says in this song, uh, I know, I know I'm lost, uh, but what scares me the most is I'm starting to feel like home. Um, but then towards the end, uh, in the bridge, it's, uh, we're not okay, but this isn't the end yet. And like, that is super powerful to me too, because like, you're not okay. That's fine. But that, that's, it's actually better that you're not okay because it means it's not the end in the end. Right. You'll be okay. Yeah, definitely. So, Yeah just again you just triggered that and i was like oh fuck that's such a cool song like, <laughs> let's tie that in um man i really appreciate your time i definitely think you know people need to check out this album uh start following you guys i think you're on to something um i was playing it at work the other day uh i think it was friday and a buddy overheard it and they're like dude what the fuck is that because like you have such a unique sound that was like I I'm going to forget which song it was and I'm going to feel terrible about it. I think, <laughs> I think it was sleep count that, that was playing. Um, but he thought like that it was some old grunge album or like some old alt rock, you know, like Pearl jam esque thing. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can hear that, but that's definitely not what it is, man. Like, you know, you have to wait a little bit to get there, but um, you guys are, are definitely turning heads, you know, like I said, that was just open air play in the office, but still uh, to have somebody just walk over and be like, dude, what the fuck are you listening to? Like that, they were into it from the get. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah. We, we also feel like maybe we're onto something, but uh, it's just a matter of um, convincing large amounts of people. Man, so. <laughs> and, and speaking of large amounts of people, obviously uh, I'll tag all the socials, but kind of my outro for you is the normal, you know, plug everything that you want to plug and where can people find you and, and connect? Yeah. So we are, um, our handle on all social media, whatever you want to do is at Fencer Band, F-E-N-C-E-R-B-A-N-D. Um, that's going to be everywhere. We've got, obviously we're on all your streaming services. Go listen to our music on Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Um, our first album is coming out February 3rd. You can pre-save it right now. Uh, we also just today announced a uh, our album release show, if you are in the Los Angeles area, on February 3rd, a Friday night as well. And we're trying to make that a really big thing. So that should be fun. Uh, we're going to play our whole discography, the album from front to back, um, do a, make a whole thing out of it. So, you know, all info to everything we do is going to be on our Instagram, our Twitter, Facebook, um, yeah, check us out. Just go li go listen to songs, add them to some playlists. 
Yeah, watch our music videos. Go watch Fish Friend. That's the video is underwatched. I like that video. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely we'll share it out and everything as well on our stuff. Um, again, man, I, I really appreciate your time. I I am not just blowing smoke up your ass. I think you're onto something. Um, I'm Thanks. really really excited to see where this all goes for you. And you know, hopefully, I'm based out of Indiana. Hopefully, you know the tours start happening and you yeah. can start branching out more and more. Obviously, now that COVID is not gone but you know manageable and life is semi-normal again yeah we uh we have some some things in the works right now so nothing to announce yet but yes we'll we'll be we'll be out there awesome man thanks so much for for doing this um i'll keep you posted on you know when it goes live and everything but keep kicking ass thank you so much man really appreciate it yeah absolutely all right thanks man no problem take it easy you too and that was my conversation with Field Kate. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I had a great time talking with him. Um, definitely want you guys to jump over. Be sure that you have pre-saved the album. Their debut self-titled album, Fencer, comes out on February the 3rd. So in just a little over, uh, a, little over a week um, of this episode going live. So... You know, go check that out. Check out their current singles, the videos, uh, Fish Friend, like like Field mentioned there at the end, and we kind of talked about. Um, you know, just go check them out. You know, the amount of creativity that's going into this project and uh, very clear passion that's involved in it as well is just really, really cool to see. And, you know, I think um, that conversation obviously got a little bit heavy at times and you know made things very real and i think it's important to acknowledge that and uh again thank you to field for talking about these things and um, being very open and and honest with everyone about his mental health journey as well as um you know the fact that it it takes time and him finding music as kind of this cathartic thing for him, but also not necessarily just for him, but to hopefully empower other people. It's just a really cool thing. And uh, I'm, I'm stoked on it. I think this album is really, really good. You guys are going to be very impressed with it, I think. Um, so as always, the socials are linked in the description of the podcast, so be sure Go give them a like, share, subscribe, follow. Uh, let them know that you listen to the podcast. Let them know that you've pre-saved the album. Um, all of those things are absolutely free to do. It helps the algorithm. It helps them gain visibility. Um, and maybe it helps you, you or your friends discover new artists. Um, and ultimately, isn't that the goal? So, you know, head over, do all those things. Um on the you make the scene side obviously the same thing make sure you like share subscribe follow um all the free stuff and this episode is going to be dual posted so if you follow musicians for mental health uh that podcast as well this is going to be on both uh playlists so you don't have to listen to it twice but if you did that'd be super dope or at least click and mark that it was played, and that kind of helps the algorithm. Not quite as much, but uh, it does show that 
the episodes are being um, quote unquote digested. So that would be a huge, huge help. Uh, also, just in general, you know, if if you're a fan of the You Make the Scene podcast uh, and haven't subscribed to Musicians for Mental Health, it is a less frequent podcast. Um, working on getting more and more artists for it and things, but it probably isn't going to be a weekly thing anytime soon. Um, and I think that's okay because the conversations are heavy. They're uh, very very personal conversations that we have over there, and I think it's an important thing for the artist, but as well the fans, and, you know, it, it's been really, really well-received um, and a lot of support from artists, so huge thank you to everyone that's been on that show so far and that may be in the future. Now, that being said, if you're listening to this on Mus- Musicians for Mental Health already, do the opposite. Go to the You Make the Scene podcast. Make sure you subscribe over there. Um, We are back to pretty close to weekly. Um, Got a few things that I'm trying to get lined up, but we are getting back into the regular schedule. Um, Took a little bit of time off around the holidays and whatnot, around the new year, to just kind of realign some stuff personally and whatnot. Uh, But, you know, trying to get back in the full swing of things. And, yeah, obviously you love music, so go do that thing. Um, Be sure you also head over to the website, check out our merch, things like that. Um, Definitely working on new stuff there as well. So that's everything I have for you guys on this episode. As always, remember, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and you make the scene.